guys, welcome to another episode of the Dirty Giants podcast. Before we start, I want to thank one of our sponsors, Scout to Hunt, the completely free offline GPS mapping app. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. We've got another episode of the Dirty Giants podcast. We've got a pretty cool episode this week with Stieg Phillips of Muley Maniacs on Instagram. Um, he's killed and helped kill a lot of awesome bucks. He definitely knows what he's doing. And so let's get into it. And so you want to just kind of start of how you got into hunting and then we'll kind of go from there. Sure. Um, yeah, I, my family's always hunted. You know, my grandpa hunted, my dad really hunted and I think I was just kind of born into it. I think my first hunting trip, I was maybe two or three years old. So <laughs> it's awesome. just something we've always done. And so, so you live there in Nevada. Is that where you grew up and stuff? No, I actually grew up in St. George. I lived in St. George until I was 12. And at that point we moved out to Nevada. Okay. I didn't know that. That's that's cool. So you've helped kill and killed yourself quite a few pretty dang good bucks. Um, but kind of before we get into that, maybe we could talk a little bit just about a couple of the units that you've um, that you've hunted. So I know you've hunted like 23 and 24 a lot. Could you maybe give us some intel on those units? Maybe how they're looking this year and how they've looked in the past. Yeah. Uh, 24, like always, it's, it's always one of the better units in the state. It seems like you can go out there and end up finding a giant buck that you didn't even know was there. You can spend all year looking and all of a sudden one day one shows up. It's just how it's always been. So it's looking pretty good. I have seen a few nice bucks in there. The horn growth seems to be really good in 24 and 23 this year. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, so I actually have a friend that drew the, uh, the 24, so 241 through 245 rifle tag um, this year. What would you say is like, as far as big bucks go, what do you think like the better hunts on those units are? Like, is it better for your archery so you can scout or, um, what's your opinion on that? And I, 24 is such an unpredictable unit. I've heard guys compare it to the strip as far as not really knowing what is there, you know, just happening upon big deer. 24 uh-huh. is just, it's a hard unit to predict. I would say every hunt, any hunt you have in 24 would be a good hunt. So what makes it so hard to predict? Is it just kind of thick country, a lot of room for deer yeah, to hide and grow up? Yeah, there's a lot of thick country. And then there's just, there's a lot of big country. You know, just... Okay. You could sit on a ridge and look for days and not see everything that's there. That makes sense. So, yeah, it's, it's probably time-consuming and just have to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah, exactly. 
So with that being said, and then like I'm sure scouting helps a lot, but what about like the Nevada trail camera law? Has that has that made it harder to find bigger bucks and know about most of bucks in the area? What like what effect has that had on your hunting and um honestly, honestly um the way that I hunt it hasn't had much of an effect. I'm actually for the trail camera law because I feel uh, like we're getting I feel like it's depleting our deer herds too much. You know, these bigger young bucks are getting killed off at a young age before they've got time to really grow up and spread some genes around. I think that this is allowing them to grow and it'll eventually turn it into a lot better deer hunt, a lot better deer herd. Yeah, so you're saying that not all the deer are known about, so maybe that it gives other deer a chance to grow grow up that otherwise with trail cameras might not have got that opportunity. Yeah, we used to say before they came out with this law, you know, a couple of years ago, we always would say there's no point in going out and hunting a buck and planning on being the only one that knows he's there because 10 other people probably have his picture. (laughs) Yeah. So since the law's been in effect, have you found that there's some places that you're more by yourself hunting certain bucks? Have you noticed that at all? I've noticed that the guys that are still killing the bigger animals, are the guys that I've known to be the real hunters that put the time in and really know what they're doing. I've noticed in areas where before you might run into one or two people, you're not seeing them as much because they don't really know the area. They just know that there was a big buck watering on the spring there. Okay, that makes sense. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. So kind of it's... It's putting a a gap between almost the elite hunters and the ones that maybe don't spend as much time but had cameras on all the waters. Yeah, yeah, that's I always I didn't like it because you know you'd have these guys that really don't know what they're doing but they can run a thousand trail cameras. Right. Okay. And that then, makes sense. Yeah, and then there's guys like me that can only afford three or four of them. <laughs> but you're still you're still killing big bucks, so obviously you know what you're doing. So the first buck that I actually saw, um, that kind of that I remember you posting is your your big typical. Could you kind of go in and tell us that story of how that how that happened? Oh man, <laughs> that's actually what year one was of my that? better ones. What was that? What year was that that you killed that buck? That's a big deer. Well, that would have been in 2014. 2014. So that was Nevada, right? That was a Nevada tag? Yep. Yeah, that's so, a Nevada deer. Yeah, that's such a cool deer. So what? kind of tell us what went into that. Was it a rifle tag? And Yeah, yeah. So I'd drawn a rifle tag and... You know, the hunts are a little bit longer in Nevada than in Utah. So my hunt was two weeks long. And I decided I hadn't done 
I hadn't been able to get out and do as much scouting as I had hoped I would. So I decided I was going to take three weeks off work to go out hunting and hope that I could turn up something good. So I went out the week before the hunt started. And man, the first, the week before and the first week of the hunt, they just drug on. It was a struggle. It was just me out there. And Uh I think the biggest thing that I found was a 20 inch wide three by four. Oh, geez, that's got to be discouraging. Two oh, weeks into it? it? Yeah. Yeah. God. Then uh, that last week, things started to get cold. And my dad and grandpa came up to camp, and we decided to camp the one day that we were going to try a little bit different area than the area that we'd been hunting the last few years. We're going to try going a little further south. So we pulled down in. We went down a little bit further south, and we got up into the mountains right as the sun was starting to come up. And immediately right right off the bat, just across the draw, was just a nice four-point. Nothing big, just a nice typical, I'd guess, 170s. Just a really nice buck. And that's the biggest so, buck you've seen up to this point, right? Yeah, that was the biggest thing we'd seen. So I'm looking at him, and my dad's looking at him, and we're trying to decide if he's worth taking because he's the biggest thing that I've seen in two weeks. And we're sitting there looking, and my grandpa goes, holy shit, right on top <laughs> of the ridge up there. Hurry. And so we swing the scopes around and look, and I just catch a glimpse of this giant typical walking no up over in the very back so immediately i mean we're in a wilderness area so this is the only access road immediately we we just take off hiking and it's probably a good two miles back in there and so we get back in there and we wrap up around this hill and this draw that we were glassing that was filled with deer is completely empty by this point. It's 10 o'clock in the afternoon. And we're going, man, we got to find somewhere that we can be at sunlight tomorrow morning where we can see down into here. As we're looking for a place to glass the next morning, we look across the draw, and there's a pretty damn nice bull elk standing there. And so we're looking (laughs) at him. Uh And all of a sudden, we realize that right below him, maybe 30 feet, is that buck. No way. So we automatically, you know, everything turned into a frenzy from that point, trying to get set up. Yeah, I bet. We're 450 yards from him trying to get set up, and we get all positioned and everything, and line up on him and I didn't account enough for the wind and my first shot the wind caught it and blew it and hit him right square in the neck but it didn't kill him what did hit you him do the neck. I, we managed I managed to miss every main artery in a deer's neck 
and his back on that esophagus. Jeez. So he jumped and whirled up the hill. I went to eject the shell and throw a new one in, and our casing had jammed in the gun. No. No. Yeah, so we're sitting there watching this giant 200-inch typical at 400 yards. My grandpa's running around all over the place trying to find a stick he can jam down the barrel to try and knock it out. (laughs) And at this point, we didn't know that I'd even hit him. We didn't know what was going on. You know, I hunt with the 338 Lapua, so we figure the second that thing hits them, they're going to the ground. Right. So to see a deer take off running like that is kind of like, oh, crap. So finally, after watching him a few minutes, he walks up over the ridge, and we can see him just pouring blood out of his mouth. I went, okay. He's obviously hit. Let's give him a... Let's give him a good hour and see what happens. So we gave him an hour, went to track him, and we lost the blood trail. Couldn't find him, thought it was all over. Ended up going back into town to get a ramrod to get the casing out. We carry ramrods with us all the time now. (laughs) Uh, So that night, we are sitting at camp, and... I just decided that I didn't think that buck was dead. So we headed back down, and we hiked up to the glassing point that we picked out that morning. Wait, so at this and, point, you knew you hit him, right, in the neck? Yeah. Yep, we'd okay. hit him. So I, we hiked back up to the glassing point that we picked out, and we set up and started glassing. And sure enough, 10 minutes before dark, a nice, 180, 185 inch buck comes walking out, and that big old typical's following right behind him. No, hey. And I, my jaw just about hit the floor. I couldn't believe that thing was still alive. So we run down, get set up the best we can with what we've got, and I'm set up, and I'm watching the deer go across the draw. We're 850 yards, and he's not stopping. He won't stop. I finally just look at my dad and say, I think I'm just going to put it three feet in front of him and squeeze the trigger. He's moving fast enough. That should catch him right in the front shoulder. And so I've got it set up, and I'm just tracking him along as we go. And just before I squeeze the trigger, my dad goes, wait, wait, we got two more days left. We know the deer's alive. We know he's in here. Let's see if we can't have a better opportunity. Uh-huh. And, you know, there's not many people that I'll let just kind of tell me what to do with an animal or just tell me if an animal is big enough to need that I need to shoot it without looking at it. But my dad yeah. is one of those people that if he says, you need to shoot that thing, it's big enough for me to shoot. Right. So I decided, you know what, if he's telling me that he thinks we can get him in two more days, then I think we can probably find him. We'll probably have a better chance. So we just packed up and headed out. And the next day we went back up in there, same glassing point, 
and he never showed. He didn't oh. show that next morning. He didn't show that evening. And we were starting to wonder if we'd made the right decision or not on letting him go. Yeah, I wonder. I can't even imagine like what's going through your head because you kind of had him there. It was a difficult opportunity, but you let oh, him walk, yeah. and then and then not seeing him that whole next day. That's got to be pretty mentally challenging. Yeah. Yeah. So then Thursday morning was the last day of the hunt. We got up and we set up on that hillside and we glassed all morning. The buck still didn't show. Finally, that evening, we were trying to figure out what to do. And we were trying to decide if we were, we were going to go somewhere else. I finally just decided, you know, I've already shot a deer. I don't know if that deer is going to make it through the winter. So as far as I'm concerned, either my tag is going on that deer or it's not going on any deer. So we headed back up there that evening and set up in glass. Finally, we got about 30 minutes before dark. And my grandpa, again, goes clear in the back of the back basin. He goes, there he is. Nice buck. He's following the does. So we took one good look to make sure it was him and took off, down off this hill into the bottom to get try and get a closer shot. And at this point, he'd moved further back into the wilderness area and we were about a mile from him so we hustled down and we set up in the bottom of the draw 800 yards and again there's just a slight breeze right in between us and the deer that you couldn't tell was there we didn't know Uh it was there until we'd got down in the bottom of the draw and felt it so we set up and we're watching him and he's not turning sideways to give me a good shot. He's either facing away or facing towards us. And we really wanted him broadside because we were worried there might be a little wind. But he just wouldn't do it. So finally he turned and he was just getting ready to drop down in where we wouldn't see him. And oh, I had to take the shot. So I squoze one off and he just saw a dust cloud right next to him no and he dropped down into this draw after these does and we got up and my dad goes well i guess that's your hunt and i said we've still got 15 minutes before dark that's only 800 yards we can cover that so we took (laughs) off as quick as we could across this draw came up on the hill as soon as we topped the hill the buck was standing 200 yards broadside looking at us I no kicked the way. down and dropped down and shot and dropped him right there holy crap so if you yeah. would just gave up right there you would have you wouldn't have killed that buck oh yeah the best Jeez. thing about it we get over there looking at him and we couldn't tell he was the same buck. You know, we we couldn't find the hole in the neck. And then you just, you couldn't tell. He's so tall and heavy horned that he didn't look as wide as he did on her. Uh-huh. My grandpa comes over and he goes, that's a nice buck, but that's definitely not the one that you shot the other day. And sure enough, we got caping him out. 
and right through the neck, you know, four or five inches below the head, there's a bullet hole right through the hide. <laughs> See where it passed clean through and just happened to miss absolutely everything that was there. That's so crazy because then the next day he was where he was and then he was rutting a doe. With a yeah. being shot through the neck with a 338, <laughs> that's that's incredible. Yeah. That's the thing that I don't get. That's a big slug to hit a deer in the neck with and not kill it. Yeah. So what did he? You he ended up going. Was he was he right at 200 or what was he? So, I. Uh, we gross scored him. I gross scored him that night at 203 and netted him at 196 and 5 eighths. Jeez. And as then, a straight typical, right? That's as a straight typical. Gee whiz. And then I wasn't going to have him officially scored and I still haven't, I haven't turned him into the books, but I got talked into getting him officially scored and they officially scored him at, 195 and 38. Jeez. That's such a big deer. Yeah, that's he's incredible. that's my biggest biggest to date. That's going to be hard to beat, especially as a typical. Typicals don't come much bigger than that. <laughs> oh yeah, I've had a couple of tags since then and I haven't killed anything cuz I haven't been able to have a chance at something bigger right gee so how wide was he he came out right at 30 right at 30 holy crap so he's just in everything you could ask for yeah it doesn't get much better so then a few years later did you help your brother kill that that hook cheater buck but no, that one I was actually on my mission for, but that buck came out of the exact same basin. No way. Yep, that one came out of the exact same basin as my buck. And so that's that's got to be around 200, right? That yeah, buck, we or? haven't, we've had him, we've had a few different people score him and stuff. Never had him officially scored or anything. Most of the time we've got him, we've got him in between 198 and 202. Okay. So we, we usually, we just tell everybody he's about 198. Yeah. (laughs) He's a cool buck too. He's, how wide is he? Do you know? On his outside? He's 33. 33 33. to that hook. Jeez, you guys... Same basin. That's incredible. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't 500 yards from where I had killed my deer. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, so then there's another story I I kind of want to know. So it's uh this it's Steve and Brock Wilson. Um, looks like you guys helped them kill two really big bucks. Yeah. So wow. that would have been in. That would have been in 2013. Okay. So it was a while ago. But that's probably one of my most memorable hunts. Really? Is that kind of what got you hooked on 
hunting big deer, do you feel like? No, we, we'd hunted, I'd hunted some pretty big bucks before that. The year before yeah. my dad hunted a big buck that Mossback ended up killing, we, they called him Caveman. He ended up going 226. Jeez. So, so you've been around always, plenty of big bucks. Yeah, we'd, we've always hunted big bucks. That's always been our thing. Yeah. But Stephen Brock was, that was a different kind of story. See, I, I grew up racing motorcycles a lot. My dad was a sponsored motorcycle racer. It, actually, they pay him to do it. And so uh, Brock and his brother Brandon we raced with and they're really good buddies with another one of our buddies Bert and we hadn't we didn't know Steve really until then you know we'd seen him we talked to him but I wasn't real good friends with Steve until then and so what happened was Bert had drawn a southwest desert tag and called us and wanted to know if we'd take him out and when he found out that we were when brock brandon and steve all found out that we were taking him out they all decided they wanted to come down because they had drawn southwest desert tags <laughs> so opening morning my dad took bert and brandon and they went out looking and steve had gone up looking for a buck that we had seen the night before that was just a decent four point you know he was only a 165 170 inch deer but just a okay. nice buck and brock and i decided to go back into this place that i've had pretty decent luck in hunting in utah and so we're hiking along the ridge line brock and i and he glasses over and goes well there's a nice buck on the hill over there and I really wanted to get down and look at this spring that had a that I'd seen some nice bucks on. So I said, "Well, let's get down here and then we'll set up and look at him." Me not knowing what was over there. <laughs> so we get down and set up to glass down into this spring, and I flip my binoculars over to look at this buck on the hillside that he's talking about. And there's a nice 180, 185 inch four point standing there on the hill and i went man i don't it's going to be hard to find something better than that that's a nice buck i said if if you want him we'll figure out how to get him he's on top of this big huge mountain you know we're okay. a mile from him looking at him and he goes well yeah if you think there's a way we can get him let's go for him so i got talking with him about what he, the gun he was shooting. He had a 25-06, and I said, well, how comfortable are you taking a five, 600-yard shot with your 25-06? And he told me that the furthest he'd ever shot was 300 yards. Oh, man, so you guys are going to have to get in close. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, well, you know what? We've got our 270 short mag. At the time, we were shooting a 270 short mag. So we've got that back at camp. So let's watch this buck bed, and then we'll head back to camp and 
get the 270 short mag and come back out after him. Then as long as he's under 1,000 yards, we know we can make the shot. So he goes, all right, yeah, that sounds good. So we watched him bed up right at the top of this just nasty, steep mountain. So we head back to camp, and we go in, and I'm showing all of them the video of the buck, and Brandon decides, you know, I want to go. He goes, I, I'm not going to take a gun. This is your deer, but I want to go. So I said, all right, well, we're going to just get the gun and grab a quick bite to eat and head back out there because it's going to take a while to climb this hill. <laughs> yeah. So we headed back out there, and after about an hour and a half of going up this hill, we finally got to the top, and after Brock got his deer, he told he was telling everybody the story like this. He'd say, we got right up to the top of that hill, and Stieg's leading us, and he puts his hand out to stop us and tell us to get low, and he comes up over the ridge, and he ranges, raises his rangefinder and ranges the deer and looks back at me and goes, 310 yards. Oh. And I have no idea even where the deer is laying down. <laughs> so he gets up there, and I set him up. We showed him where the buck was, and he puts one in. I adjust the turret on the gun for him, and I say, it's dead on. You put it right on him, and he's done. And so he sets up and squeezes one off, and it hits just six inches above the deer. And so I just say just a little bit lower. Just hold it right at the bottom of his chest, and so he lowers her down a little bit and squeezes it off. I mean, it was the most perfect heart shot you could ever see. Just completely right through the heart, that buck jumped up and turned and started going uphill which kind of threw us off and so he threw another one in and just shot right up that thing's ass <laughs> and the second that second shot hit him that deer just went straight to the ground and man when that thing went down this was the biggest deer that anybody in their family had killed at the time uh -huh. that thing went down brandon's running down the hill screaming <laughs> running back and forth. Brock sits up, looks like he's about to start crying. Oh, it was just, it was awesome. We got over there to it. Oh, it just turned out to be a, just a spectacular buck. Just a beautiful buck. We ended up taping him out at 186. He was 26 inches wide. It just, he was one of those just beautiful typicals. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture now. <laughs> yeah, it's just a real good-looking buck. Yeah, really symmetrical. So after that, we went back, got him packed out and back down to camp. And Steve comes over to me, and you know, we we always joke around a lot. I figure like most people do out hunting. Yeah. And he looks at me and goes, you know what, I'll give you $100 for every inch my deer's bigger than Brock's. Nuh-uh. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm like, you know, there's, there's no way. 
there's no way I'm going to find anything bigger than that. I We haven't hunted Southwest Desert in four or five years. It's kind of gone downhill. That's probably one of the biggest bucks they'll be killed out of here this year. So sure enough, you know, we looked hard, and we weren't finding anything. Finally, it came down to the last day of the hunt, and we just decided to go for a ride. You know, we went over, and we riding down through this burn that we'd had a lot of luck in the last day of the hunt. My dad's telling stories. My dad's got a 208-inch typical that he killed out of there last day of the hunt. You know, just a giant six-inch eye guard, only 20 inches wide. Jeez. And then he's got another one that's a six-by-seven that's maybe 18 inches wide that's 190 that came out of there last day of the hunt. And we go down all the way through this burn, and we turn around, and we're coming back, and it's starting to get dark, and we're going, well, I guess that's it. Sorry. We tried, Steve. And looking over and watching the tree line, we're kind of all watching the tree line, and I feel like we all spotted him about the same time. But my, I mean, I'm watching him, and, all of a sudden, I'm looking at this weird-looking tree down there. And all of a sudden, this tree put its head down and started eating some grass. No. I went, crap. There's a big one. So we, we got Steve out, and Steve told us from the beginning he just wanted a nice four-point. So we didn't even really look at what we had there. We just yeah, we you could just tell knew it was good enough. Yeah, we could tell it was a four-point. It was tall and narrow. That's all we knew. So he oh, set up. I, yeah. yeah. So he set up <laughs> to take the shot, and he shoots, and the buck just kind of walks down off the hill, right into the bottom of this draw, and you know, well, I guess, I guess that's it. You know, it was a 650-yard shot. It was a good shot, long poke, and. So we're getting ready to go, clean him back up. All of a sudden, that buck walks back up onto the ridge. No way. He chambers another one. Like, all right, Steve, just breathe. Just squeeze the trigger. You know, it's a long shot. Just, Just squeeze the trigger. This gun can do it. So he squeezes off around, and I'm watching through the binoculars, and he shoots, and the buck doesn't do anything. It's like, well... Okay, I guess you missed again. The buck turns and walks down into the trees, and right as he gets into the trees, I see him just hunch his back and just take off on a dead run. And at that (laughs) point, I went, he got him. He hit him. That buck's not going far. So we went down there and started tracking him, and we came around the corner and that buck lifted its head up off the ground and looked at us and just went, holy shit, Steve, you better shoot him again. <laughs> and, I mean, it was just, oh, it was crazy. You know, that's by far the heaviest buck I've ever seen in my life. That buck ended up having 54 inches of mass. Jeez. And the whole time we're down there and we're looking at him and, the whole time, Steve keeps going, 
I can't believe I made a 650-yard shot. <laughs> I can't believe I made a 650-yard shot. Like, man, you just shot a once-in-a-lifetime buck, and you can't believe that you made the shot? So <laughs> <laughs> uh, we ended up, we got him back to camp, and I put a tape on him that night, and I pulled him out at 214. And we took him over to our taxidermist, Troy Truman and Enterprise, the next uh-huh. day. And Troy goes, I think you're a little low. And he pulled the tape on him at 216. So Jeez. he ended up going 216. Ended up, I don't, I don't even know what the biggest deer killed that year was, but I'm sure that he was in the top 15 of them. How was it to like put your hands on that on that buck like just with that kind of mass like that that's got to be pretty incredible. Man, it was insane. You know, I've had opportunities to hold them, actually be in person looking at some quite a few pretty big bucks and bucks that scored higher than that buck of Steve's, but that buck of his is still the most impressive deer I think I've ever seen. It's, there's nothing like it. I've never seen a deer that heavy before. Yeah, it looks like, it looks like it's just insane. Yeah. So you guys thought you shot, you shot a, just a good four point and you walked up on it. Was everyone just losing their minds? Oh yeah. Yeah. We were all expecting a hundred and, you know, we were thinking 150, 160 inch four point come around the corner and there's basically a 220 inch deer laying there. <laughs> Holy cow. Jeez. It was crazy. And then, you know, we were, the funny thing about it. So we got him out of there and we started heading out. And before we had seen a razor in there, well, it turns out, and I don't know for sure if it was him or not, but it turns out that Jason Carter had been hunting that buck for like five or six years and just hadn't been able to get lucky enough to get onto him. And we just happened to luck into it that night. No way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had seen a razor in there and when we were leaving, we got out and a few weeks later, he posted a picture of that buck in the velvet and, you know, giving congratulations to Steve and we went, man, I wonder if that was Jason that was up in there, which, you know, just makes it that much sweeter because Jason and all those guys have hunted the same areas as us forever. So they've always been competition for us. So it just made it that much more cool. (laughs) Jeez. Well, that's such a cool deer. Like they just don't get much cooler than that. Like, just mass and it looks like he carries his mass all the way up and that's so cool. Oh yeah. So so did you get your prize money? <laughs> no. No I, I we ended up telling him, you know you don't worry about it. We'll figure something out down the road. <laughs> and oh, he ended funny. up calling us a few months after and he goes I showed one of my buddies a picture of that buck and he told me that there's people that would pay $50,000 for a deer like that. 
So I think I owe you some money. <laughs> we're like, no, Steve, we're friends. You don't know us anything. He ended up buying me and my dad a set of Garmin uh, Rhino GPS radios and send yeah. them to us. But it was still, it was one of those things that I don't want to be paid for that stuff. The experience was well worth yeah. it, taking friends out and killing a nice buck like that. Yeah, that's something you'll never forget, especially with a buck that size and him appreciating it. That's that's cool. Yeah. So let's yeah, let's was, kind of talk about let's move into your. Uh, so what is Muley Maniacs? So I just happened to get the itch one day. I saw these guys that were doing their these hunting pages, and I thought, you know, I think I can do that. And I just started posting stuff on it, and I figured, you know, someday I'll do something with it that's cool or something like that. And yeah. ended up getting married this last year, and my wife goes, you know, why don't we sell hats and shirts? There's companies that do hats and shirts and all kinds of stuff like that. You know, the logo's cool, and we can come up with some cool designs. So I, we just went for it. You know, we just started putting stuff together. Yeah, it looks really cool. So you have a, a website that's uh, muleymaniacs.com. looks like you have, like, a... Like water bottles, you have mugs, coolers, hats and shirts, stickers, phone cases, a bunch of cool stuff on here. Socks. Oh yeah, we've got a little bit of everything. Yeah, oh, that's cool. The socks, the socks, I think, is probably the weirdest one. But I had a few people tell me, "Man, socks would be sweet. Nobody does socks." Yeah, that's kind of unique. They look cool. Yeah. Yeah, so the listeners definitely should check it out. So your Instagram's uh, Muley Maniacs um, with no spaces. And then the, your website is on your Instagram, but if if not, it's uh, MuleyManiacs.com. Yeah, we're doing a giveaway right now. We're giving yeah, away... Yeah, tell us about it. So... I'm doing a, we're doing a giveaway for a American flag muley hat before they come out on sale, before they come up for sale to be entered in, to be entered in the giveaway. You just got to like it, follow us, share the post and tag three of your buddies. Perfect. And then that automatically puts you in. And if you want to be put in for a second time, we're doing anybody who has bought something off the website from June 25th to July 4th when the contest ends will be put in a second time as well. Awesome. Yeah, so go ahead and jump on and do that. Um, He has a couple posts, too, that will explain how to do it if you missed it. Um, But just so just do that by July 4th, right? Is that what you said? Yep. Yep. We're going to do the drawing on July 4th, probably that evening. We don't have a time figured out yet. 
Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and that's that's a cool hat you could win too. So. Definitely yeah, and worth then checking out. And then after July fourth, those hats will go up for sale on the website. There's a category there that's the limited edition stuff, and it's really just there while supplies last. So. If so you like get it, it, if you like you it, you get better it get it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, you definitely have some cool, some cool gear on there that's worth checking out. You have some cool logos. I noticed that you have even some of the bucks we talked about as logos on some of your all, gear. All of the logos that I use are either pictures that I have taken or pictures that friends of mine have taken. So they're all, 90% of those logos, you can find the actual pictures on the Mealy Maniacs Instagram page. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool that it's not just like a random buck he created. It's actually from deer that you've had history with. Yeah, that's why we also, we offer a custom hat or shirt designs. So if you've got a buck that you've, you killed that you think would look sweet on a shirt you can send it over and we'll put it on a shirt for you oh that's really cool that's cool yeah, yeah so if you that's something that it's kind of unique that that'd be cool so you just send send over a picture and then you'll put it into a design and put it on a hat or a shirt yep awesome yep we're limited on the hats and shirts that we can do. I've had a few people that wanted some hats that I couldn't do. Most of them have wanted a flex fit hat, and all of our hats are snapback. Oh, okay. So. Well, cool, man. Yeah, definitely. Listeners need to go check that out. He's got some awesome stuff on his Instagram, on his website, too. And then, is there any. Any advice for hunting giant bucks that you'd like to leave the listeners with? Maybe some tricks or tips that you've got or used that's helped you be successful? Um, I would say about the biggest advice I'd have, I've ever been given on hunting big deer is consistency. You know, the more consistent that you're out there looking and watching them, you know, deer are really patternable. So the more that you can figure out that deer's pattern, the better chance you're going to have of killing it. Yeah, well, you even proved that with your first story of your buck that you went out there, you took you took three weeks, it took till the last day, but you kind of almost had a, a pattern on that buck that you killed. You've seen them three or four different times right there, and that's what in the end helped you kill that deer. Yep. Yeah, it's all about the time that you're willing to put in is what I've always been taught. More time, more chance you'll find a big one. Yeah. Well, sweet. I appreciate you getting them on the podcast and telling these these stories. They're fun to listen to, and hopefully the listeners can take take away some tips and things that they can apply into their hunts for from your stories and or just have fun listening to them. So I appreciate you getting on 
Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Don't forget to check out MuleyManiacs.com. Use discount code MURICA for 10% off. America with so it starts with an M, right? Yep. All yeah. capitals.